Hello everyone and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, November 25th, 2022. I'm Kyle Dyer and we've taken the show on the road for this day after Thanksgiving to introduce you to some of Colorado's super smart and engaged leaders at Civico here in Cherry Creek North. Civico is Colorado's community leadership development organization. Civico is all about connecting, educating and inspiring the next generation of leaders. Tonight, I'm with people from all over our state who have different areas of expertise and different skill sets. And there are a total of 29 in this year's Colorado Governor's Fellowship Program. We have four of the fellows joining us for this conversation. And so I would like to introduce you to everybody, okay? We have first Lulu Lancy. She is all about industry and community partnerships. As part of the Auraria Campus team, she is the Chief Activation Officer. Lulu is all about creating life-changing pathways for the next generation and is a strong advocate for equity and access to opportunities. Patrick Byrne joins us as well. He is currently the CEO of Denver Kids, which provides academic support, enrichment, and also socioeconomic tools to help under-resourced kids in our area pave a really bright future for themselves. Karen Chesser is the superintendent of Durango School District and chairs the Southwestern Colorado Education Collaborative. Karen also wears a business hat as well, serving as the on the Durango Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors and also the La Plata County Economic Development Alliance. And then lastly, we have Antonio Huerta. Antonio is from the Eastern Plains of Colorado. And get this, he, got, he graduated from Lamar Community College the same year he graduated from Granada High School. Wow, okay, that's amazing. And also got his bachelor's and master's in business at the same time at CSU, an overachiever for sure. Antonio currently serves as, a, as the Southern Colorado Regional Director for Senator John Hickenlooper's office. We're so glad that you all are here. You're all such great advocacy champions and great minds, so I'm eager to hear from each of you share tonight. Um, you are all described to me as people who are really eager and ready to create you know, positive change in your communities and for our state. So I wanna start by just asking you all, what kind of positive change and why now? Why are you part of this program? Why is this such a great fit for your purpose? I'll start with Lulu. Well, thank you. And it's such an honor to be part of this wonderful group. And part of the positive change I'm working towards is that I spent 20 years in student entrepreneurship, workforce development, and really, to me, there's nothing more important than developing the next generation. And part of the big struggle is this whole find your passion, right? And we spent so much time working our careers and it's such a big task to find this passion, especially with the pandemic. A lot of students have changed the way they look at pathways, whether it's trades, non-traditional, they're rethinking higher education. And I found that sometimes they don't know what's out there. And um, I am working hard to help connect the dots between industry education, students, and parents, so that the students can make the best, most educated decision they can about what is actually a good fit for them through work-based learning, internships, shadowing, and bringing companies and industry into the conversations so that we don't find ourselves in this workforce gap that we've seen through the pandemic because no one knew about these pathways and we need to get the voices out there. And start young. I yes. would imagine it's never too early to start. What do you think, Patrick? Absolutely. Well, first, I too am so fortunate to be a part of this group. Um, extraordinary leaders in the public, nonprofit, and private sector. And I've done this work for about, I guess, 23 years. Actually, 
Kyle, you were MC at a couple galas. Yes, I was. That I was a part of. Which yes, is, for Urban uh, Scholars. Yes, yeah. which was remarkable. And I really want to be a change in these young people's lives mm. that the inequities during the pandemic, I think, were highlighted as it relates to racial injustice, it relates to the pandemic and inequities in the communities. And post-pandemic, I think about the kind of support opportunities that we can provide for young people. And this kind of group coming together around innovative ideas and a change that includes leaders from a variety of sectors and really thinking about doing things differently. And that includes work in the nonprofit sector, that we've got to be strategic with our partners. We've got to think differently about impact. And my hope is that we're all a part of some, some real change moving forward that includes opportunities for the ex extraordinary young people. Mm -hmm. You've made some great positive change in Durango through the education system. You know, over the years, the pandemic, you all had some great ideas to help the kids get through. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we can't underestimate both the impact of the pandemic, but also maybe some opportunities that came from the pandemic. We started to realize that we weren't actually meeting the needs of every single student. We weren't reaching all of our communities and there might be some ways that we can connect families virtually, that uh, we could make sure that all of our students had internet access. Uh, we also realized that we have to think systemically about every single thing we do. And I so support what Lulu's saying and Patrick is saying that the future of our state is really in the hands of our students and we've got to help them find their ikigai or their actual passion, that sweet spot. Uh, we also have to understand that that takes an entire community, that takes every single system. So that means all parts of our state, that means everything that we're talking about, whether it has to do with government or climate or um, resources that different families have. And so in Durango, you know, Southwest Colorado, about six and a half hours from here, uh, we've been trying to figure out how can we bring our community together um, as a whole, all parts of our community so to support our school district. That means our industry partners, that means our uh, all of our teachers, that means all of our community, our taxpayers who don't have kids in school. And this program has been monumental in helping me understand and helping us bring back to Southwest Colorado all of the different governmental agencies, the, the economic decisions, the parts of the state that we might not have normally had a voice in uh, to make sure that we're doing a huge impact for Durango. So Durango has, uh, we've increased our test scores. Uh, we've been able to bring partners together, community partners together. And I'm so excited about being part of this, this, this organization. And Antonio, you're based in Colorado Springs, but you have a big area as well, right. trying to make a difference. What's your focus? What do you, what do you wanna do most in your job? Absolutely, and creating positive change. I wanna jump off everything that everyone said here. I think Patrick said all of us need to come together and I think when we think about all of us, it's, it's truly everyone. It's truly the diversity, equity, everything in between to actually bring the United States and the world up together. I think we saw it recently in our election that young people came out and voted because they're voting on human issues. We have climate change, we have education, we have workforce, we have all of these human issues that we need to work on. I serve Southern Colorado and get to see the urban-rural divide. I get to work in agriculture and, on one day, and then the next day, space 
aerospace industry, right? So it's um, everything generally is a human issue and how do we continue to bring it back to the diversity, equity, and bring everyone up. Mm -hmm. I love all of your enthusiasm. I really, really do. I think the great thing, like you were saying, coming here and talking with people from other parts of the state, you're learning about things that are going to Durango. You're hearing, what are they doing in Denver that can help, you know, and it's so important for us to get together and yes, share and collaborate, but listen, because we have so much to learn when we listen, don't you think, Patrick? Absolutely, well, and I had a, a conversation with Karen earlier today, I've talked to Antonio about the needs in their communities, the differences in areas of rural Colorado versus urban, but also the opportunity to collaborate around change. In this group, I think also really thinking about everything from policy advocacy, really looking at economic variables, education, and really the role, again, of various sectors and various parts of the state that lead to success for all of us. So it's been tremendous. So if you're hearing from different parts of the state, is it hard to understand, okay, well, they're doing this in Denver, but yeah. how can I do that where I live? I mean, how do you learn from hearing other people's stories? What do you take away from this? Well, I think, you know, in Durango, we can always take away the best practices. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter where you are. It doesn't matter it, what industry you're in. If there are really strategies to be more efficient and more effective and to really get things done, that's great, no matter what industry it is. So I do take that away. The thing that I think we always have to remember is there are barriers. You know, there are barriers. We're, again, six and a half hours from Denver, a couple of mountain passes. You know, weather is an issue. Uh, travel is an issue. Access to resources is an issue. And so thinking about how we can take those ideas and make them happen in our part of the state, but not just make them happen, but also come back to the front range and say, hey, we are very important here in Southwest Colorado, and we need to make sure that you also remember what's going on here. So it's kind of a two-way street to make sure that we're heard, but then also we can take those ideas mm -hmm. back. As chief activation officer in your day job, and you're pushing those pathways, trying to make things happen for kids, Kids are kids are everywhere, right? Yes. And, and what do you learn when you hear from people from other parts of our state? How, could you th do things differently for kids here or, I don't know. Yeah, I think one of the biggest focuses for Auraria campus is that you have almost 40,000 students, 150 acres of campus. Mm -hmm. How do we make this the most robust learning environment where there's cultural celebrations, best practices, the best minds should be gathering at a place of learning, right? Um, to the wonderful group of leaders, students should have access to these leaders. They should see people that look like them and be represented and know what's possible and be in the rooms that frankly, when I was a student, I didn't even know these rooms existed, nor where the doors were. <laughs> and the students on a rare campus, we really want them to be in the center of it all because you can only achieve what you see sometimes and we want to make the campus the most robust center of what achievement and success could look like. I like how you say I want our students to see uh, other faces like them. Because I think quite often, we all probably growing up, we're like, oh, I can't do that. Who's going to help me do that? Like, I don't know how to do that. You are, and you are the youngest fellow, I must say. I'm quite <laughs> impressed by it. 27? 27, yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were saying how you, you liken yourself, you were telling me earlier, to a snowplow. 
or a driver yes. or explain that. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's my snowplow analogy, like understanding that I stand on the shoulders of giants and that it took a village to get me where I am today. And how do I use that privilege to be the Colorado snowplow to pave a path, a path forward for future generations behind me, specifically diverse students and diverse people? I mean, if there weren't people in front of me taking all the you know, stuff, the snow, the rock, everything for me to have a path forward, I don't know I would be here today. Like, just generally, um, I, I needed scholarships to get through school. I needed a scholarship to be in Civico. I, I, from the Eastern Plains, I'm a small town kid, and having that access and having that education, that was that pathway to, you know, that greater life, that next step. So my theoretical snowplow is how do I do that for other people? I love that. And at a young age to be thinking yeah. already, awesome. already. Um, you all just have great leadership. I can tell your shoulder, yeah, I can just tell. Not everything goes well all the time. So how do you use what you've learned as a leader, as you've heard from other people, to be like, ooh, that's a great thing to keep in the back of my head or when their times are tough. Like, how does one be an effective leader? I'll start with you, Antonio. I think it's a shared information platform. I know within the communities, within the organizations, and within the teams that I've helped lead, it's been an opportunity to help prepare organizations and prepare the people and ultimately trusting your team because Yes, you can create the process, and a lot of organizations create process for the sake of process, but when things actually happen and chaos happens, the leader ends up having to take care of the mission and making sure we're you know, delivering, and the team, naturally trusting them, delivers on the mission as well. So when you're busy and taking care of your superintendent duties and <laughs> navigating everything at the top, your teachers, your, you know, your um, students, the work study, everybody understands what's next. So it's truly the, uh, the preparation for the chaos. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, and <coughs> at Denver Kids, a 75-year-old organization connected to Denver Public Schools, I think through the last couple years, I've learned so much from the students. We really focus on youth voice and student family voice, everything from resilience, persistence, learning, perspective around inequity, opportunity, creating community. And my hope is in organizations that we're developing, we're really engaging communities differently. We're listening differently. And I believe from a leader perspective, you really work from that kind of learning. And we're doing work at Civico around listening and responding to communities and authentically listening and also working on how we engage in difference. I don't think we've done that mm. very well in this country the last couple of years. I think we can do that differently. And this experience for me has been tremendous in thinking how we can create solutions across partisan divide and across difference. Lulu, that is the hard thing to get everyone to listen and say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. You know, that's hard. As a leader though, you need to get everybody on board. Yes, it gets tough, especially in the past few years, things got really tough. So I think, you know, being superhumanly optimistic mm. <laughs> is part of what a leader needs to have, but also being able to roll up your sleeves and be in the trenches with your team while reminding them why we're all here through the blood, sweat and tears to achieve what we're hoping to achieve and celebrate the little wins 
and laugh about it together because whether it's toxic or positive mindset, it's contagious. Mm, I like that. Karen, you wear a lot of different hats too. So yeah. how do you, as a leader, go from one to the other, especially if things are rocky? You have to trust your people and they have to be able to trust you. So you're, it's sort of that idea of trust and inspire. Trust them, inspire them, um, and also make sure there's clear communication. I think that's an area where sometimes we're a little bit faulty in. Get input. We do something in Durango called a Kaizen process, which is, you know, how, do, how can we continuously improve? Not be so concerned about things have to be the way they always have been, but how can we get better? So that, that idea that an organization can continually get better. So when times are tough, you know that your, your people have you, you've got your people, and that together we will get through this, we'll come up with innovative ideas, we'll make great things happen for kids because everybody in the organization is all focused toward that same exact mission, that same exact calling. And that's what's happening in education these days is you know, the people are in it for the long haul because it might not be about the money, it might not be about the notoriety, but they're just doing a great thing for the, our future. Since we are all here Thanksgiving week, um, you know, it's a time where we all get together with our family, our friends. We think about what's important to us. So, um, and clearly community and making a difference is important to all of you. Lulu, I'll start with you. What does community look like to you? And why is it part of your purpose in life? To me, a community is a place where I am seen and acknowledged, um, supported, but also with different voices and backgrounds that will expand my way of thinking. And that's part of the community that we're hoping to offer to our students as well, because it can be such a lonely time. And I think through the pandemic, we learned a lot about the next generation. Someone said this, is that we're all in grief because the world we knew three years ago is in a lot of ways no longer there. So we need to recreate this community for a lot of the, the young students that we all serve, right? But Honestly, everyone in our network misses that support. And that's what it means to me is to be the connector and to share resources and to help create these safe spaces for people to regain that level of support and to be seen again. Mm -hmm. Patrick, I'll just go direct down the line. Patrick, yeah. community, you've been involved in this community for a long time, even not with just this organization. Yeah. It's part of who you are. Yeah, and uh, you know, I love the Denver community. It's changed so much over the years in some ways it's amazing to think of Denver 25 30 years ago to now but there was a presentation earlier today that was it was interesting it was about public safety and restorative justice and what it means around even issues of safety in community and individuals that can show up as their authentic selves and really feel connected and build relationships and i think more than ever and again, that's across divide, that's across difference. I see that as also a real opportunity to build community. And Civico, these you know, 29, 30 people coming together is also been a really cool way to build community. Yeah, you guys are in a great place. You're very fortunate to be part of this program. What's community look like for you? Community is, is, can be sort of amoebic or amorphic or whatever, that it, it means that we all feel like we are included that we feel like we belong in a variety of different cultures or settings or um, spaces. And that, that's our goal in education, is to make sure that students feel like they're part of a global community and understand that the impact of their actions can make a difference. Do you still envision a community that you want? Do you, 
<laughs> think about the Eastern Plains, is that your home? Or what do, you, what do you envision, what do you hope for in terms of creating community and helping people thrive? Absolutely, so growing up under the Friday night lights in rural Colorado to higher education in Pueblo and then public service in Colorado Springs and Southern Colorado, I think community to me just wasn't where you were, but where the people you love are at. And for me, it's been Southern Colorado, it's been Colorado generally, um, and even more so with now a Civico family that I didn't know I was gonna have before. And to sit here and you know, have a drink, spend all day together <laughs> and learn about just the issues you know, impacting humanity is pretty powerful. And then you get to be your authentic self while other people are also being their authentic selves. So you're just truly elevating each other. So yeah, the, the community aspect is just definitely the people that you love and just where you're at now. That's great, I agree, thank you. Um, every week here on Colorado Inside Out, we end with a lightning round, okay? And that's where we usually go over the highs and lows of the week. But what I'm gonna do, since this is a time of gratitude and you know good things, and we're kind of all talking with one another, through your leadership lens, I'd like to, and we we'll start with you, Antonio, um, talk about something through your leadership lens that you'd like to improve, enhance, mm. make better in Colorado, to make Colorado even stronger. Absolutely. I, I think I might have touched on it just a little bit earlier, but the urban-rural divide, I found that it's just not unique to Colorado, but generally we see a front range and um, snow resort mentality of Colorado, but we are just so much more than that. If we're gonna truly look at the success of Colorado, we need to look at how all ships rise together, and that is our rural counterparts, and that's just outside the front range, Durango, Grenada, Lamar. Um, we, we see we have agriculture, we have economic development, we have water issues. There, there are so many things that impact Colorado as a state. So if we truly wanna be successful together, we need to start bridging that urban-rural divide. When you say starting, let I me mean, go to you, Lulu. Are, are we doing that enough already, or is that still something we need to work on in Colorado in terms of bridging that divide? I do think it's something that continuously needs attention. Okay. Um, for example, at Emily Griffith, we had a culinary program and we had so many partners reaching out from rural areas that are struggling with creating this culinary pathway and pipeline because the resources has, un has not reached some of our rural areas. So I think it's something we need to continuously focus on. Mm -hmm. And what do you think? What, what, what area through your leadership lens you're like, I want to work on that. I want to improve this for Colorado. Yeah, I, you know, I have three daughters. And I think of when I was in, gosh, Antonio, you're in your 20s. Seems like a long <laughs> time ago. I have daughters in my 20s that, you know, when I was growing up, a house was really affordable. Um, Sort of this idea of living the dream that relates to healthcare access, a car, a home. I think there are real challenges, and this is rooted in equity and also economics, access, and that really also understanding the issues. At Civico, it's everything we've learned from Tabor to tax initiatives to impact of state government to. Uh, housing and housing availability. Mm -hmm. So I think of even as a parent, but also my work at, at Denver Kids, that it really is uh, attaining 
and access to sort of what we love about the Colorado lifestyle. And that means being able to afford those kind of resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably guessed it, but I'm gonna say education funding. It's, it's, it's a really critical issue. We are in the bottom of the states in the country, and I don't think Colorado has been used to being in the bottom mm-hmm. in certain areas. Uh, but it's, it's a problem. And it really gets to both the issues you said, the rural-urban divide and also the idea about housing. Because we don't have a ton of you know, urban areas, colleges in, in, rural, in rural Colorado giving us graduates. And then we also have an, a, a critical housing issue you know, that there are, aren't houses for new teachers to be able to afford. Okay. All right, and a positive thing, maybe something you've learned being with different fellows from the last day or so, what's something that's right on that we are doing great in Colorado that you're like, wow, I'm really proud of that. Which one of you wants to start? Anything, anything? I'll start. Okay, Lulu. Too many positive, not for me to jump in. (laughs) Yes. Um, Colorado, and I've heard so many people say this, we're the biggest small town feel that it's always, you can reach out to grab coffee, to reach out to someone that you want to learn from, and they'll say yes. And I've lived in so many different places. This is probably the first place where I felt that strong sense of community, friendliness, openness. Um, and I just have to add in, as an entrepreneur, it's such a great place for entrepreneurs. Karen and I had this great <laughs> conversation about creating a pipeline of our own entrepreneurs, but uh, I love the feel of innovation and openness and for people to develop and change things and start companies and that's such a wonderful thing about our great state. Do you want to follow up on that Karen? Well yeah I think most definitely why wouldn't someone want to live here and that's my my sort of focus is that quality of life. I love that in Colorado the quality of life is so important. That's not the case everywhere and that the state is is really taking act taking actions to make sure that that's protected, that that is a focus. Um, I see it in Durango, that people have moved there because that's important to them. And that plays out in their work because they are, you know, they are the kind of people who are very attentive to making sure that the quality of life is great for everyone. And so that's something I'm very appreciative of. Right, I'm gonna let you have the last word. So Patrick, what's something (laughs) awesome that you just think we were really hitting down the ballpark with this in Colorado. The nonprofit sector in Colorado, from volunteerism, uh, donors, really caring about community, young people, is extraordinary. And something through Civico that gives me a lot of hope is there are really, really unique challenges, but some really smart, thoughtful people that are truly collaborative and in including across partisan divides. So. Gives me a lot of hope. All right. Antonio, what is something we're doing really well here in Colorado? I think we are investing in Coloradans. I think between the the numerous foundations we have across the state, the higher education institutions, and really kind of the state of Colorado generally, we're investing in people. I mean, I talked about scholarships earlier. I'm super grateful for, you know, the Vetra Foundation, Alpamar Foundation, and CSU Pueblo Foundation for, you know, getting people who care about other people to donate their you know, discretionary income, their income, for other people to succeed. I mean, I think Colorado invests in its people, and I, I love to see it, and I hope to see it grow. 
Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me after your busy days of talking and learning and all that. So I appreciate it so much. That is all the time we have tonight. But thank you, panelists. Thank you, Civico, for hosting us tonight in this beautiful building in Cherry Creek. You're showing us what is possible with our leaders here in this conversation. So thank you so much. Um, from the whole team at Colorado Inside Out, and PBS 12. We wish you a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving weekend and a fabulous start to the holiday season. Remember, there are people out here that are rooting for you and that are leading us and are being the snowplow drivers. <laughs> and you know, you too can make a difference in your community. People want to hear from you as well. Thank you all. Have a good night. Thank you.